It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Hello and welcome to another edition of They Came to Play, the podcast where Danny McGinley and I attempt to unpack the weekend of AFL action. And each week, Danny McGinley, hello by the way. Oh, hello. Yeah, what a great weekend of footy. And each week we bring in a replacement Tess Armstrong because she has uh, just had a recent addition to her household and can't uh, make it onto the podcast each week. And it gives us great pleasure to welcome in another Richmond tragic. Yeah. Taking over from Tess Waleed. Ali. Hello, mate. Hello, boys. Thank you very much for having me. I assume that you have to be a Richmond supporter to fill in for Tess. Uh, no, you don't. Oh, well, that's clearly wrong. What's, what's going uh, on no, there? What, what's great, well, Limo, is uh, a few t- like, so we're recording this on the Tuesday after the Queen's birthday thing. Waleed can only do Tuesdays. And yeah. the last time there was a Tuesday game, we had Nick Del Santo on instead. And he went, well, why is he on? And I went, actually, this is the only time you'll ever hear this, Waleed, diversity. We have <laughs> enough Richmond content. Yes. <laughs> you cannot come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us this, Waleed. Yeah. And this is a theme we've been running with on this show for a while now. Mm. Is Richmond's season going perfectly to plan? Yeah, honey trap. And was the weekend's loss deliberate <laughs> to further lull the top seven teams into a false sense of security? Yep. We looked at 2019 and we said, guys, we've got to get to seven and six. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like this seven and five business. Yeah. I know we're four goals up halfway through the last quarter, but we've got to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. Eight and five will not do. <laughs> no. And uh, so, uh, no, I don't – I'm I'm not of the school that it's going to plan. Oh. It hurts me to say. So, Hardwick mm. out? Is that what you're saying? Okay, <laughs> no. while he's called it. Can I say, actually, just on that, uh, Hardwick is a magnificent coach. Yeah. and I, But I don't think – I think it's easy to miss because I think sometimes we judge coaches on – Press conferences, like that's the way to judge our coach. Absolutely. But also game, what I imagine you're talking about, a game analysis is very difficult for the average punter to look at a game on the television and get a genuine sense of the impact the coach is having on the game. That's true, yeah. And really you only see it over time. And the the reason – you can tell Richmond has such a great coaching group is their ability to problem solve is just amazing. Like yeah. I think it is incredible what they've done. Um, but to me it was actually – it was kind of like I felt like I knew all of this, but it was seeing it in that Amazon series. Oh, yeah. And just watching the way he interacted at critical moments in the season. Like they've just lost a final or it's on the line here and they've – you know, yeah, their season's at a turning point. Yeah. And his I, haven't, I haven't got to the finals in this year. I don't think I've, I stopped watching at yeah, a certain yeah, right. point. Just <laughs> oh, right. It's like old Yeller. You know, <laughs> there's a very unhappy ending coming. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, no, there's just something about the way – as soon as he started talking in that series, I just went, I'm there. And I don't think yeah. it was because I'm a Richmond supporter and wanted to hear him. Because there were other coaches, and I don't want to name him because it's a bit mean, but like where I was just like, no nah. – no, you were talking about Leon Cameron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were talking about Leon Cameron. Just well, say because it. Adam Simpson barely spoke in it, and same with the uh, the Adelaide coach whose name has uh, left my head Matty right Nicks. now. Matty Nicks, <laughs> yeah. Matty Nicks. Yeah, but they focus did focus in on Dimmer in that. But I think that's because he drew the focus. Like, there's something about I, I don't know. There's an intangible. You guys as comedians would know this. There's kind of an intangible quality to. He's got a magnetism. Yeah, a likability. You want to impress him. And, I mean, I, I, you know, as as much as I shouldn't like him, I do like him. I loved watching him play for Essendon and Port Adelaide. Yeah, he's he's fun. I I have always found him to be a very likeable individual. I agree. Even when, maybe not so much when he played for Essendon, but when he played for Port, I really... I really warmed to him That's for some reason. Why, yeah, why would that be? I think because I just hated Essendon. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Mother Teresa could have played for Essendon. I would have been like, oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> Not sure about that one. Bloody do-gooders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about them. Oh, <laughs> look what I've done. The Albanian um, Marvel, we used to call yeah. it. But anyway, so, so definitely not a, it's definitely not a hard work out situation. Well, no, but, I'm, I, but I'm a bit worried about, about my tugs. I felt the same watching Phil Jackson on the Chicago Bulls docker. Uh, nice. Yeah. Every time Phil Jackson speaks, I just found myself completely... Sucked into his aura. Yeah. There's something. There's something about really special about him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel uh, Ange Postecoglou has that as well. I know. What didn't take long for me to bring it back. Do you know what? Do you know what? I, I we, obviously we we've been hanging out for probably 15 minutes before we started this, and I've been desperate to talk to you about Ange, but yeah. I didn't want to raise it because I suspected it would come up. Yeah. You must. You're in dreamland with your managers at the moment. You were obviously with Victory fans. Yes. And so Popovich coming to Victory was just a huge moment. And they've already immediately looked better. Like yes. Immediately. It's amazing. Oh, how hilarious. On the, the Victory medal night, I know there's a footy podcast, so sorry. Forgive us to get through this. Um, <laughs> Robbie Cruz won the Victory medal, the best yeah. and fairest. I don't think he scored a goal this no, season. did he, he play? He <laughs> had two assists. <laughs> That's how bad Victory was. Victory came stone yeah, motherless yeah. last. No, no, second last in the end. I thought we New- got... No, Newcastle <laughs> claimed the wins because we beat them in the second or third last week. Are you sure? I thought because yeah. they beat uh, Man- uh, Melbourne City in the last game. They no, I think we got, got off the bottom. Hey, I'm just going to confirm this looking at looking no. at the ladder. No, dude, we were last. 19 no, were points we? to 21. Why did I talk to you about this? <laughs> My See, version of wow. events was so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I tapped out when we won one against City and I was like, oh, that's it. I'm done. We're it's all, all good. good. <laughs> is, is this why you do the project? Uh, just so you're always around people who aren't as well researched as you? <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, sort of shame about that. But yes, um, Ange Postecoglou managing Celtic, my main European team. Ange Postecoglou, there's three big jobs in world soccer that matter coaching. Australia, Melbourne Victory and Celtic. He's got all three. He's done the trifecta. Amazing. So he's done the McGinley trifecta. Yeah. Um, and it's such a great – Like, can, would, it, would it be wrong to say this is the single most significant achievement in the history of Australian football? You'd, it'd be that or Harry Kuehl winning the Champions League. Yes, but no Liverpool fan thinks of Harry Kuehl winning the Champions League. You Is that because like, he went off halfway through the game? Partly, and he was also in that team. He was. <sighs> Liverpool fans don't talk about Harry Kuehl with a fondness. Don't they? Not really. What is wrong with these scousers? Mm, Look, I think, I, think, yeah. I think Australian Liverpool fans might, yeah. but that's clearly a sort of a bias. bias. What, about, what about a Craig Johnson FA, FA Cup? I mean, Craig Johnson in that Liverpool team. Yeah, one of the great teams, yeah. Was one of the great teams of all time. And then probably the main reason there are so many Liverpool fans in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. But mm. I feel like management is a different – like, yeah. there are so many more players than there are managers. So, what's our previous best achievement from a manager, from an Australian manager? I wouldn't even – So, you had, like, Musket took over a job in, like, second division Belgium. Uh, just, Harry Kuehl is coaching – Hi Barnett now. <laughs> he no, can announce the same thing. But isn't he like Div 3 or something? Yeah, isn't it? Div yeah. 3. This is the first time it's top level as far as I know. Well, Ange actually coached in the uh, top league of Greece. Yeah. And, but it's and not the the, same. did the team well, but walked out because the board weren't treating him well. Well, that's perfect. Which is means he probably won't last long at Celtic. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but, he, but what I love about Ange is he's done it the right way. You know, he's, he's dominated the A-League, he's actually transformed the A League. Yeah, absolutely. In, in a way that might not have actually been good for the A-League's marketing prospects because he he was the guy who figured out that you don't go get the washed-up star who's um, <laughs> yeah. just won the Champions League or whatever. No, you get that, a, That's great for marketing, but actually if you want a really good team, you get your overseas players who are that level below. You get a scrappy Kosovan yeah. who becomes the A-League's or, or greatest scorer. Or Shaw. So yeah. no more Del Pieros. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the that Postacoglu anyway. model. And so the, the marketing department would have been upset about that, but then he just kept winning. And he did it at Brisbane, then he does it at, at Victory. Well, he didn't win anything at Victory because he got headhunted for the national yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, but, he, but come uh, on, he was oh, dominant. He set us up to it win was two out of the next three. He was going to, yeah. All right, last thing on soccer. Did you watch the Scotland versus Czech Republic game this morning? Can I say what I did? What did you do? I watched the first 50, 60 minutes where Scotland were down 1-0 and then I went to bed. Oh, no. <laughs> so I missed, what happened? I missed the screen. So they, they lost 2-0. Um, the second goal is one of the greatest goals you'll ever oh, see. Oh, is this the halftime? The halftime picture? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. But also, that was a crowd of like one-third full, but yeah. it sounded like 200,000. How incredible is Scotland it? fans are... They do it properly. They are the Port Adelaide, the Richmond, yeah. the... I think who else is loud? GWS. GWS. <laughs> <laughs> Gold Coast Suns. They are the Gold Coast Suns. I feel like in, <laughs> in the, the UK. UK, the further north you get, the louder it gets. 
Ah, well, that that the logic there then would mm. be Inverness Caledonian Thistle is the loudest. Yeah, but then of they fans. run out of numbers. <laughs> so there's got there's a critical mass you required. Go, you go to a Cornwall game, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the librarians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we love them. <laughs> did did the Dover Corn- have a team? I don't the know. Cornwall librarians. <laughs> have you heard the? Um, the radio host in Glasgow, massive Celtics fan. Oh, yes. When he was making the announcement about Ange Postecoglou. Oh, no, I've not heard that. He was furious. Oh, they all are. They're so racist. He was furious. Why was they, he furious? I, I because, he just, because he doesn't rate Postecoglou. He says, who's ever heard of him? Right. He said he does, there's some... There's some manager's ranking thing that apparently Postecoglou doesn't even have. Oh, uh, yeah, no, he, he didn't have the tickets to work in Europe. Like, it's pretty much just a European well, So he was talking about that. Yeah. and Anyway, he was, he was not happy. No, they, they, I've copped a lot of racism on uh, the forum stuff because I've been sticking up for Postecoglou. It's like, sorry, pal, but Australian football's shite. And I go, yeah, well, let's just count all the World Cups socks Scotland's been to recently. <laughs> but also, this is the point that what's great about Ange is that he's not from Australian football in his mentality and the way he – like all the teams he's mm. coached have been front foot attacking teams. And the problem is he often hasn't had – like when he coached Australia, we didn't have the talent. That's right. Off what he was doing, and but he still like he made them bring in a Kosovan. <laughs> no, exactly. But but if he goes to Celtic, he will have the best talent in that league, right? Yeah. It'll be him and Stevie G will basically be going head to head. And as a Liverpool fan, this makes it very difficult for me. But <laughs> but he, like he, I feel like he's finally got a team that's worthy of his philosophy. Yeah, and that will be fascinating to watch. So I really really hope it goes well because the next step for him could easily be the Premier League if he. Well, why would he step down? He's this. already got the pinnacle. Yeah, right. Is uh, so where uh, just to give us a, a, a metric here to measure his success? Where did Celtic finish this year? Second, which is because it, his, only, in the in the last decade it, that means they've come second in a one horse race. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Rangers haven't got they, they've won the last ten or something. Haven't they'd they? won nine in a row and they were going for nine in a row and uh, oh they stuffed up this year. Yeah, oh, okay. No, no let's just celebrate Stevie G, shall we? Let's really not give Rangers the white supremacist <laughs> club <laughs> yeah. any. Well, lead as a as a progressive minded person, you cannot support that <laughs> horrid horrid. Let's talk footy anyway. Yeah, let's get. Back to hey, the footy. I've got a question for Waleed while we're while we're interviewing yeah, sure. our guest. Waleed, you're a you're an intelligent man, you're a uh, a critical thinker, an academic, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Here we go. I don't know what's coming here. How do you reconcile being a very intelligent, rational thinker yeah. with the irrationality of being a sports fan? Um this is a very good question. Thank you. So I, th- I at a certain level I don't. Right? But I also think that um Sport is a world where meaning is entirely constructed, right? So, so we know it was that great quote from that Italian football manager um, that football is the most important of the least important things in life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a fantastic quote, right? Uh, yeah. Arrigo Sacchi or something is his name. <laughs> anyway, he, uh. it's a great quote. But, but what it, what basically that's pointing to is this idea that um, these things only matter because we have a convention that agrees that they matter. There is no other way in which they matter. And mm. so as a result of that, it becomes this kind of hermetically sealed system of meaning where we buy into a kind of make-believe. And then as a result, we can kind of um, express all these themes and elements of the human condition, but in a way that's not tied to something that actually matters in the grand scheme oh, of things. Good answer. So it's, mm. so it's actually a, it's a brilliant little lab, I think, for us. And so I care a lot about my sporting teams too much in any kind of objective sense, but that's actually what make the fact that it doesn't ultimately matter is the thing that permits the passion without it becoming something that's malign. Although you say something that doesn't ultimately matter, which is true. I guess when you talk about what happens on the field, one of my pet hates is when people say, Oh, it's only sport. Yeah. Right. Right. Which I take objection to because sport has risen above the game itself mm. continually yep. for the last hundred, however many years. When you look yep. at people like you know Muhammad Ali or the Roberto Carlos and Tommy Smith at the Mexico Games, Postecoglou oh, coming to Celtic. There's, yeah. a, there's, <laughs> a, there's, there's a there's a thousand examples of it over the years. But are we conflating two different things there? There's kind of mm. sport that becomes a vehicle then for exploring things that are bigger than sport. Yeah, and then there's sport as an inherent system of meaning. So whether or not Hawthorne wins a game is yep. not in and of itself important. 
but there things could says, occur. Says you. Yeah, well, yeah. I actually regard it as quite important that they don't, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, um, Testify. I love Wally. <laughs> but so, so that, that doesn't have an inherent importance, but things that might emerge from it, like the Adam Good saga or whatever, yeah. they do have an inherent meaning. I, I, I think it's fine to keep those two. It, it's, I think it's actually a really interesting area because – I think sports had a really critical moment where it's becoming so big to things outside of sport that it might actually compromise the sanctuary that sport oh. provides and has provided for so long. And this is what I think we're constantly seeing now is every week it seems to be rubbing up against aspects of life that it kind of wasn't originally designed to be rubbing up into, but mm. it's become so huge. So what you're saying, Waleed, is leave your politics out of it. Stop taking a knee. <laughs> <laughs> Have you followed that debate in England? Oh, yeah. That's ju- amazing. It's just Adam Goods repeated. For, for those who haven't heard, um, uh, the England players who are taking a knee for Black Lives Matter before a game, which they've done for the past two years now, mm. yeah. are being booed. By, and there's a lot of uh, people ringing up sports radio going, nah, I'm doing it because like it's lost all meaning, yeah? Like, uh, and why do, why do Eng- black English fans matter? We, we all matter. I'm not racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> uh, yeah. Specifically, where's that accent from? Oh, it's, it, that was, uh, I think it started uh, London. <laughs> <laughs> and then it went south. It, uh, it moved. It went somewhere. It was a librarian supporter by the yeah. end of that, I think. <laughs> by, the, by the end of it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it's an interesting debate, though, isn't it? Mm. But do you feel the need to justify on moral grounds your passion for sport? No, but I, I no. want to hear your thoughts on it because you could articulate it better than me. And and you did because what you ultimately said is what I say is like I yell at the bulldogs so I don't yell at my kids. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, so that's the old argument, right? Is it's the channel for the tribal instinct that we all inherit. Yeah, we have. And so, but it fashions it in a way. The, the other thing I would say though about that that's really interesting is as much as sport is tribal and we genuinely hate each other for belonging to different mm. tribes, mm. there's also a solidarity in the commitment to the tribalism, yes. which is fascinating. Yes. A- absolutely. So, for example, if you arrived here today, Waleed, and you said to me, you know what, I'm going to start barracking for Hawthorne, yeah. I would lose all respect for you. Yes. Yes, and I would be like, "Why that? I don't understand. I don't know you anymore. Yep. That's really strange." That's well, exactly. you're welcome at the Bulldogs. <laughs> 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 but but the, the way to test this is, you get a bunch of AFL fans in a room, and everyone is ganging up on the Collingwood supporters, right? Because we hate Collingwood. But then you introduce like some NRL fans into yeah. the room, and suddenly the the Solidarity amongst the AFL fans just goes oh, yeah, through the yeah. roof, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a kind of we understand that we're we're all committed to this common code, and so there is a community mm. that arises out of that. But there, like Abraham Lincoln's phrase was the team of rivals in the context of the oh, that's the good. civil war. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of what we, we are at a civil war. So that's the that's the non-stop. Pact. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the whole. Endeavor is to be involved in this civil war, but we are mm. ultimately a team. It's true. Well, there's, there's a guy, there's a pub, um, a bartender at the Rose. I am pointing because uh, Limo lives near the Rose Hotel, <laughs> and he's a massive Rangers fan. Yeah. But the thing is, I love when he's on because I can talk Scottish soccer. Yeah. With someone, yeah. it's very rare that I find someone like that. So even though yeah. he goes for the worst possible team, yeah. Yes, he's yes. on. Yes, and a recognition mm. that we actually need each other. Yeah. Like, I, I really do hate Collingwood. Like, it, it's, it's not, I'm not putting that on. I, Are I, they your 18? Uh, you know, yeah. I don't really, I, like I, I don't really I, have an issue with Collingwood. Yeah, I don't know why. That, that, that strikes me as something that makes you odd. Yeah, that is odd, Lance. But, but anyway, yeah. but, but whatever it is, I, I really hate Collingwood, but I know I need them. Yes. <laughs> like, they have to be there. It's like the sun and the moon. Yeah. And, and if, if they weren't there, then Richmond is lesser. Yeah, and I've got. To, I, I know why you don't like you don't not like Collingwood. Mm. You weirdo. It's because uh, since Collingwood last won a flag, twenty ten, Hawthorne have won three. No, so that, you have no, that's not it. I've never had an issue with Collingwood. What? Like going back to the eighties. God, I'm trying to. So you're right, but I'll tell you. Here, I'll explain. I'll explain to you. I think why because I have thought about this. Right, yeah. my brother. Tim, who's the closest brother to me in age, is the next one. There's five of us. I'm the youngest. Tim's number two. Uh, or number four, depending which way you count it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he picked Collingwood because he knew Collingwood was a hated team. Oh, so to be right. kind of rebellious and annoy everyone, yeah. he decided to barrack for Collingwood. So I kind of liked Collingwood because my brother barracked for Collingwood, right. my older brother. Oh, that could yeah, easily yeah, have yeah. gone the other way, though. Could have gone the other way. Yeah. Mark Williams, 
Choco. South Australian. Yes. I grew up South Australian. He played for Collingwood. Yeah. And there was something about that that I loved. That made me like Collingwood. Uh, okay. <laughs> what about Carlton? They had heaps of South Australians. I never liked Carlton. I don't know. It's Is weird. Is that because you played him in grand finals in the formative years? Yeah, I, th- I think so. That might have... Collingwood were no good for that era. Yeah, no, they were terrible through that era. And then Lee Matthews coached them, and I was very happy to see them win a flag under Lee Matthews. Yeah, right. So I've always had a, a slight affection, and then I sat with the cheer squad one day, and I'd loved all of them. So oh, that was geez. the circle was complete once I'd done that. Um, this you, actually isn't you? a podcast. This is an intervention, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, are you happy to keep him on? This is <laughs> not looking good. But me, <laughs> but my teams are like that. I mean, Geelong, Essendon, and Sydney, they're yeah. my three. So that's interesting, but they're rivalries and hatreds born of actual games and experience. Yes. Whereas my hatred for Collingwood isn't really born of games because Richmond and Collingwood haven't really played many big games together because we've mm. very rarely been good at the same time. Oh, so yes. you get 2018, that's really the high watermark of it. But apart yep. from that, it hasn't. but you just know you're meant to hate Collingwood. And the fact they're neighbouring suburbs and the history. Oh, yeah, you're both it, the same club. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You're both inner eastern suburbs Catholic clubs. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you, you obviously weren't alive for the Danny Minogue era. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? And, and th- the big moment. Have you heard George Michalogenis talk about this actually? Because he wrote this whole book. Yeah. About now he's it, another one like you. He's a very intelligent man that I would love to read the words of, but I just cannot read a Richmond, a pro Richmond book. <laughs> right. Okay, that was good. that was my t- trouble with that book as well. I think does George tell a story about? Because back in the day, you would have what they call the shit carters lanes here in Fitzroy, yeah, yeah. where people would dispose of their- Oh, the, the nightmen, the, the uh, alleyways yeah. where you would they would get the rid the of alleys, They would get rid of your, you know, your, your poos and wees, your hawthorns <laughs> down the laneways. <laughs> I love that he owns that. <laughs> right? I but was towing around that, but all right. <laughs> if that was dumped in the streets of Fitzroy, it would run down the hill into Collingwood. That's oh, right. right. And that's why uh, Collingwood hated Fitzroy to begin with. They yeah. were the original oh, rivals. I didn't realise that. So it. much so, Collingwood actually and Carlton both hated Fitzroy. It was a mutual, uh, you know, you, right. you, you unite against a common enemy. Yeah, that's interesting. But the, the Richmond, so he, he talks about the Richmond-Collingwood relationship, which is really interesting because even though Richmond's the older club, Collingwood was the good club and Richmond weren't. And so... They went going to the VFL first and then Richmond, obviously in 1908, they joined, so they're a bit mm. later. But what's interesting is Richmond were never a threat and Collingwood players would play and then as they got to the end of their career and they weren't good enough to play for Collingwood, then they might go play for Richmond. It was that kind of relationship. <laughs> yeah, nice. Feeder then, club. Yeah, yeah. And then that all changed um, in that 1919 yeah, so in a nutshell for our fans. Who was the, the guy who got back from war? Uh, Danny Minogue. Dan Minogue. Oh, that yeah. was Dan Minogue. Yeah. Collingwood captain, absolute legend of the game. Yeah. Um, wasn't happy with how his friend who came back from World War One, was treated. He had uh, PTSD and Collingwood were like, nah, you're weak, you can't play. And so he went, well, uh, Danny Minogue went, well, I don't want to play for this club. I don't, definitely don't want to captain it. I am going to yeah. go to Richmond. And then uh, and Collingwood said, you couldn't. Yeah. And he had to sit out an entire season. And, of course, Collingwood-Richmond met in that grand, grand final. final. Yeah. The next year, uh, Dan Minogue, captain of Richmond, uh, they go to the grand final and Richmond win. And then Collingwood turn over his photograph. Uh, I think that happened wall. when he left. Oh, did it? Was yeah. it? Okay. I've actually, I'm doing a, a pilot of a documentary series about about the rivalries and we're starting with Richmond Yeah, Collingwood. right, yeah. So I'm a bit annoyed that I that they, I didn't read this George uh, Megalogenis book. <laughs> well, if you don't want to read the book, uh, I think you did a podcast appearance with the, the On The Ages podcast. You could probably just listen to that and he talks about it. But there's a, there's a re- it's, already, it's already in the can, mate. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There's a, um, but there was a, an interesting moment because th- it might have been 1919 when Richmond's first grand final appearance against Collingwood. And it was, it might have been then, or it might have been a later one. I think it was then, because I don't think Richmond had won a flag yet. And there was, it was under the challenge system. Yes, the right of reply. So Richmond beat Collingwood in what was a grand final of sorts. But because Collingwood finished on top, they had the right to challenge. And it was interesting because in that moment, um, some big wig at Collingwood, it might have been the president or whatever, according to the way George told the story, said to Richmond, look, um, obviously we want to win, but if we are to lose the premiership to someone, we would be happy for it to be Richmond. So there was that convivial relationship. Yeah. So you can see that's a long time ago. Yeah, no, and even when (laughs) Carlton won their first premiership, Collingwood put in their newsletter, congrats to our friends Carlton for winning it. So Pointed Collingwood change. Yeah, they did. (laughs) It was Jock McHale apparently who just turned him into the – Was it Jock McHale who was like in charge of rostering? 
Yes, oh, this is my favourite story. It's such a yes. great story. It's one of the greats. He was, uh, we've told on this podcast, but we'll tell it again for new listeners. Um, he was the foreman at, at Carlton and United Breweries. And on the day of the 1936 grand final, they were playing Carlton. Uh, most of the players for both clubs played at CUB. And he rostered on all of the Carlton players to do the 5 a.m. hard labour shift <laughs> scrubbing the vat. All the Collingwood <laughs> players had the day off. They play the, and Carlton still won. Carlton won. Uh, yeah, it was great. Such a good story. Is that the only time Carlton's had a moral victory? (laughs) (laughs) I think you might be right there. Why didn't he roster them on during the grand final? <laughs> ah, so Actually, that's is, a good point. This is why he wasn't a good coach. Yeah, <laughs> no good. Maybe that was just a step too far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or should we? Uh, should we keep scrolling through the games? Then we got to start. By, yeah, by well, we've done. I mean, Josh Kennedy put the final nail in oh, the coffin. Okay, no, if we're still talking uh, Richmond and West Coast, mm. I've got something to talk to you oh, yeah. about, Lemo. Sure. Because you know, West Coast got a new song. Uh, last start of last year. Is it a new song or have they just? It's a reimagining. It's a new intro. It's a reimagining. It's the introduction, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you know the players have to. They sing that now, but it doesn't because yeah. it's that Birds of Tokyo. Born is pride. Yeah, <laughs> I sure the players yeah, yeah. aren't going to do that. Do you want to hear how they do it? Yeah, please. I've got the grab. I'll put you to here. You go. Is this the players? We're listening. To? This is the players. Yeah, this is the players after the game. <laughs> Lima, you, you've criticised yeah. the Western Bulldogs for having too many woos. There's way too much wooing in that yeah. song. <laughs> way too much wooing. Devil's Advocate, are they just doing their best with very, very shoddy raw materials? Oh, that is the they, worst song in the league. They have oh, the, worse than Fredo? Yes. Yep. Yeah, no, yep. they, I agree. They've got some shoddy material to work with, but the wooing's got to stop. It does, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. the player embellishments need to be in the bass, <laughs> not in the treble. No, oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Born okay. is pride. Yeah. I'm isolation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for example, I only discovered this the other week, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Scott Turner, who you almost certainly won't remember unless you're a Richmond fan, who played <laughs> fullback for Richmond in the mid 90s. He's apparently the guy who came up with the bomb, 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 bomb in the oh, really? team song. It's obviously oh, in the right. original, like in the music, but he did that baseline as a player and then that caught on. That's the kind of intervention. Yeah. That a playing group can come up well, with. Well, the the type of intervention I would like with the club songs yeah. is I just hate the manufactured uh, all-together arm-in-arm camera in the middle, all yeah. that. I'd like to go back to the vibe, back in the old days, where there'd be, you know, players would be getting out of the shower. There'd be one bloke still with a pair of shorts on <laughs> with a foot up on the bench seat. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, one bloke could just start and the rest would just join in. Not arm in arm, just no. where they are. Yeah. In the change rooms. <laughs> a couple will be singing from the showers. Do you know what that? You're describing something that sounds like a scene from Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've really undermined the credibility of my suggestion there. <laughs> no, but it does. <laughs> Lee Moserable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, but, you know, some good add-ons is, um, that they've stopped doing now. The the Saints, I don't, I don't remember oh, which player they used to have. The you know, when the Saints, oh, when the Saints come, oh, on, come on, the call and response thing. Yeah, yeah. There was one guy just doing the screen. They don't do that anymore. And I remember yeah. Collingwood had a see the barrackers are shouting as all barrackers should. Core blimey, yes. They don't do that anymore. So really? players must. You know, choose what to. They must be an organic sort of growth. Obviously, to the one of the custodians has moved on, and no one has fulfilled the yeah. role. Yeah. Remember last year? Didn't Port Adelaide bring in drums a couple of times? That's right. Yes. <laughs> like they had an upside down, like a plastic yeah, yeah, bin yeah, of yeah. some sort where they were playing drums. That's on true. It. Yeah. I think that. So what was interesting because under COVID restrictions last year, they weren't allowed to link arm in arm. Yeah, that's right. So it gave them a bit more freedom. Yes. And the quality of the songs improved. Yeah, but but you know, they were clearly taking their inspiration from the NRL because that's the way the NRL teams sing after their games all the time. They have a drum. They're they're banging on their lockers or whatever and they're always clapping. They're not arm in arm. This is what I want. Yeah, you want some. You the want Les Mis scene I described <laughs> this. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I want. It's a bit more pandemonium than the Les Mis scene. But yeah, yeah. it's and they're very good at it, 
I think the because that's just been their tradition for how long. So clearly, we well, I don't know if they looked at it and saw it, or mm. that's just naturally what comes. But they were trying to do something like that. But we just don't have the corporate memory in the AFL to do that well. And what I find interesting is when you see players get out drums and clap along, you get to learn about how well AFL players understand rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there are. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's a few left wanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true, yeah. true. It is interesting. Uh, but the um, – so the Tigers sitting at eighth, perfectly to script, Danny McGinley. <laughs> do, do you – No, no, is where they'd belong. I Come really, on. I really feel like I need your advice on this, Lemo, because you have seen the end of a dynasty. Yes. Is this what it looks like? Oh, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Oh, wait, go slowly, boys. I want to drink all of this in. <laughs> well, I – I felt that after our third grand final, because that was our fourth grand final in a row, yes. third win, yep. um, I really felt that it would be difficult to back that up. Yeah. But then you finished top four. We finished top four. And is it Isaac Smith Isaac has Smith a Smith shot missed that goal. I think if Isaac Smith had kicked that goal, we could have had a crack. But everything needed to go run perfectly for us. Did you feel in that <laughs> Everything would run perfectly for you for four years. Yeah. Well, no... In 2015, we played four finals. We lost our first final yeah, and we Perth. played two finals in Perth. That's right. Uh, and, you know, and the week before the finals, Hodgie got done drink driving. Yeah, I remember. I mean, it was, it was all over the place. Yeah. But and West Coast had been the best team all year. And, and West Coast had been the best team yeah. all year. They should have won the flag that year. So they weren't close on grand final day, though. But as soon as <laughs> Isaac Smith missed that goal, it was like, well, we're just – that's just too much. It's a bridge too far That's now. interesting. So you didn't have that feeling. Because I would have, in my mind, Hawthorne supporters were going, doesn't matter, this team knows how to win it and they'll do it again. But mm. you're telling me that's not what was in your mind. No, in my mind, when he missed that, I was like, I think this might be a bridge too far now. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, but I don't know whether or not the Richmond-Hawthorne parallels work as well as I was kind of assuming anyway because – Richmond's never been Hawthorne. Like, Richmond's never been that team. Oh, you're team. both horrible clubs. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> no, but what I mean by that is Richmond's never been that team that just peels off 18 wins in a season and dominates from start to finish. It's been a team that times its run and plays mm. the best football at yeah. the right time. And yeah. And so it's always – I don't think we've ever – apart from 2018, ironically, which is when we didn't win it – I don't think Richmond fans have ever felt really comfortable because it's <laughs> well, that, all that, that is proven by our regular co-host, uh, Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, because you uh, just turn up – it's always contingent. Every season we've won it, you have sworn halfway through that we weren't a chance. Doesn't your heart yeah. bleed, Lima? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are Saints and Demons fans <laughs> screaming at you right now. <laughs> it is amazing though, how often the top team doesn't win the flag. It very rarely happens. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hawthorne finished top in 2013, but we didn't – Sydney finished top in 2014. West Coast finished top in 2015. Yeah. And Richmond have finished third every year they won it. Really? Third? Mm. In wow. fact, mm. including – Oh, in yeah, 19... but then you always get home finals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. no, actually, that's not true because we, we beat Brisbane over there. Uh, in I beat Brisbane, that's right. Final. That's and then right, we had to, 18. in the prelim, go beat Port last year mm. in Adelaide. But, yeah, no, then you're talking about the Geelong game. Yeah. So do you <laughs> what, what feeling do you have now about your team? I, I just don't feel confident, and, it, and not because of the fact that we're seven and six. What worries me is that West Coast game worried me. Because we're four goals up halfway. Mm. Like, Richmond doesn't lose that game. Dennis Committee said yeah. that it was your arrogance that cost you because you wanted to give them a sniff and then really finish them off, <laughs> which is what you did to Essendon. You wanted yeah. to break their spirit. Yeah, possibly, but, but then we didn't finish the breaking bit. No. <laughs> See, when, te- when teams are really on, I find they just have an extra gear that is always available to them. Yes, yeah, that's Geelong really did it for years. Yeah. yeah, So often Geelong would be even with the team at three quarter time, and you think, "Oh, geez, are they going to get beaten?" And then they'd win by six goals. Yes, <laughs> and and I think <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I think the thing about about Richmond at the moment is they're capable of playing really good footy in patches, mm. and they're capable of winning games, but I don't feel they're in control of games in the way that they have been yeah. in the past. And. That West Coast, even the Essendon game, everyone was raving about Essendon, that, you know, blitz at the end, seven goals in 10 minutes or whatever. It was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I actually personally walked away from that game worried because I was like, 
it just feels streaky. It's just something. Mm. I mean, I was glad we did that. Yeah, but they actually controlled. Us for two, two and a half quarters. They, they, I was sending texts to Western and people going, Oh my God, yeah, this is the game. And yeah, and they go, yeah, sorry, so my fault. It, now, it may well be that the reason Richmond's not controlling games is they haven't yet hit that patch where they do control games. Yeah, and it will all come. I'm, I'm open to the possibility of us doing the 2019 the honey thing trap. And, yeah, I'm open to the possibility, <laughs> but I will just say it feels different. A bit this, this time. Is, I think this is part of the honey trap. I think this yeah. is they've sent Wiley I've been commissioned. as an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He was oh, at dinner's no. house this morning before he came here. <laughs> He's got the talking points. Just to get points. the talking points right. Who's that media manager behind you, Wiley? <laughs> uh, yeah. if, if it wasn't for history, though, would anyone be talking about Richmond as a chance? No. No. no, that's right. Yeah, they, they, everyone would say, well, yeah, you lost that. You're in eighth position. Yeah, you're probably in the most danger to drop out of the eight. Yeah. But this is, mm. I mean – Chat about football is cyclical as well. I mean, yeah. you can pretty much – you can just get the um, the format of what they're going to say, a template, if you will, and just insert team yeah, here and – yeah. In fact, Chat. I'm sure they have those templates. I reckon they would. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing that is true is we have had a really hard draw. So people are looking at our run home going, oh, gee, they've got a good run home. And, yeah, there's a reason for that, and that is that we've actually played – I love I love it when Richmond talk about their hard draw. Danny, is that one of your, is that one of your favourite things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The home, all, home all those finals. games at the MCG. Oh, oh you've only got nine. Yeah. You've only got nineteen games at the MCG this year. Dimmer's furious about that, though, isn't <laughs> um, he? Do you? They had to go to Marvel. They had to go to Marvel. Do you want to have? A lot of them didn't even know where it was. They had to. <laughs> I was at that game. Um, <laughs> you're the one. So you for the record. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to have the MCG debate? I am more than happy to have this debate because I think this is one of the most misconceived. Or ill-conceived debates. Let's go. Front foot it, Wally. Fixture parody, I think, is stupid. Okay. So when people talk about Richmond get a whole lot of MCG games and that's a big home ground advantage, etc., they, I think, are fundamentally misunderstanding the nature of home ground advantage. The truth is that MCG tenants have the least home ground advantage of anybody in the competition because they are very frequently playing against other MCG tenants. tenants. So let's, let's take this first principles. When... West Coast play Fremantle at Optus Stadium. Who has home ground advantage? Well, whoever's first on the fixture. No, the advantage. <laughs> well, I think you more home fans get tickets. So, and you've got the paraphernalia and the the noises, the atmosphere. Well, the, the, but the, to play along, neither of them. Neither of them do. Okay. Yeah. Like on paper, leaving aside the relative strengths of the teams, which you can't yeah. factor into an inherent yeah. question of home sure. ground advantage. Neither team has home ground advantage. So when Richmond played Collingwood at the MCG twice a year or Essendon twice a year or whatever. Like if you, if you boil down the Richmond fixture to when they are playing a team that doesn't play at the MCG, like a Port Adelaide or they a They save Sydney it for finals, which is why they do their run so well towards <laughs> the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But, but Rich, genuine home ground advantage, Richmond probably have, what, six times a year? No, you'd have more uh, because you get the finals. <laughs> no, but uh, so you're talking about one final where we played Geelong at the MCG. Well, yeah, and the grand finals. Yeah, but it, my point is, on like as a matter of kind of mathematics, it is much harder for an MCG tenant. Okay, well, let me put to make the grand final in the first place because they don't enjoy. It's like Perth, the Perth teams enjoy a very significant home ground advantage. Geelong enjoy, and, and oh yes, the strongest. The, the Geelong complaint really annoys me because Geelong have, on paper, the most advantageous setup in the league. Yeah, they have the most idiosyncratic home ground with the biggest home ground advantage and then they have all the salary cap advantages of the go home factor that mean they can get like danger fit. and that's not their fault mm. I'm, I'm just saying it's a swings and roundabouts competition and they don't get lockdown because they're regional yeah, well <laughs> but they also don't get crowds when they're not anyway that's a separate <laughs> but I, I just think it, like inherent home ground advantage belongs most conspicuously to the non-Victorian teams in Geelong yeah, well, yeah, but f- travelling every second week right. counteracts So that. what I'm saying is it's a swings and roundabout situation. Okay. Right. But to say – so I'm not saying Richmond's disadvantaged. I'm just saying they're not – and it's not just Richmond, all the MCG teams. They're not conspicuously advantaged in the way that everyone seems to declare they are. And the 2019 thing that, that popped up that Richmond played their last nine games at the MCG, mm. well, okay, sure. Look at the first half of that year – 
they barely played there. That's why they ended up playing these games. It's like it's just I just, it just strikes me. We're as just madness. getting annoyed that the AFL's laying the honey trap for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, but okay. But an, another perspective is in 2015, the Dogs made the finals yep. and were playing Adelaide, and at we the asked the AFL, yep. "Can we play at Docklands because it's our home ground?" And they said, "No, you have to play at the MCG." Yeah. So, so therefore, Docklands clubs are at a way way bigger disadvantage when it comes to finals because even if we get a home final. We're not playing it at home. Yeah, so I think that – I actually think it's really good that you raise that because everyone talks about this like it's a Geelong problem. No one talks about it as though it's a Docklands problem. No one of the Docklands tenants, yeah. uh, only us make the finals. Well, yeah, but, but, St. Kilda, but St Kilda did for a long time. And like so, yeah. like, no one seems to care when it's teams that play Docklands having to play at the MCG. But when it's Geelong, it's obviously very big. Like, I don't know. If the AFL's going for a crowd maximisation strategy, which clearly they are when it comes to Victorian teams, then mm. the MCG is the place that you play and that's that's just that. Which is a shame because Docklands a superior stadium, isn't it? Lance? Oh, God. <laughs> that place. Burn it to the ground, Oh, please. come on. Just, oh, I hate, I hate actually seeing the, seeing the action. I've just had enough <laughs> of that joint. I just can't. I mean, the closed roof, it feels like you're in some sort of cellar. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good description. Man cave, I like a to call it. A man cave. Brilliant, a glorious, luxurious man, man cave. cave. <laughs> Bloody great man cave. Um, Is right. it though? You can't see the TV very well. Oh, no, they've, they've put in new TVs now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at yesterday's game. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. It was the uh, big freeze at the Did, MCG. Yeah. It was so weird. I was thinking in my head that the slide was going to be at the SCG. Oh, yeah. And then when I turned yeah. on the telly, it was at the MCG. It just yeah. felt. It was odd. Yeah, Should they have had a Sydney slide as well? Yes. Well, I don't, okay. Actually, I, I, I want to get your opinions on this. Mm. I think we need the slide is lacking something. This it was fun for a bit, but it needs to evolve. Like just people dressing up and like visually them going down the slide. I'm sure it's freezing for them. Yeah. But as a spectacle, it's nothing. You they might as well that, be going yeah. into a bathtub. Right. I'm. I, we need. No, but co- it's the image when they get out. Oh, and they it? go, woo, yeah, but these people aren't trained performers, a lot of them. So they're not, they're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not feeling that oh, okay. as so an this audience. Is, this yeah. is the union speaking. That's what's happening. Damn here. straight. What I'm saying. <laughs> no, well, Limo did great. Limo, you, you dressed hilariously in that 300 bodysuit. Yes. Which, uh, even looking at a photo, I had No, to, it wasn't like, a bodysuit, it was body paint. Oh, it was body paint. Body paint. So you did look kind of good. Yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. accentuating the reek that was already there. <laughs> I was body painted, and it's hard to believe, actually, if you look at the pictures now. But they, everyone that talks it was, about it like uh, it's this big, exciting deal. And, oh, isn't it great that, you know, Gil slagged off Meatloaf and Razor Ray got involved. And that's me while eating. Oh, you haven't. I remember. We'll remember chuck that on the socials. I got a whole lot of limo that day. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember a little bit too much limo. I'm wearing Ruffy's uh, Hawthorne budgie smugglers there. But we too. just, even if they brought in a, a sort of Birdman rally element to it, of who, who goes the furthest yeah, into it or okay. who stays in the water the longest. That's interesting. These sorts of things. I mean, my natural yeah. solution is always <laughs> add nudity. So I would love to see, uh, you know, Gil and uh, Razor just a lot of, dealing with a lot of shrinkage. Yeah, right. Okay, I got a feeling I, your heart's not quite in the right place. On yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just coming from an entertainment uh, perspective here. It's, it's a good observation though, because this all started around the time of the ice bucket challenge, right? So it kind of had yes. yeah. an inherent currency because it was connected to something that was in the so, popular culture. And for the first five years, it was at a packed MCG yeah. on Queen's Birthday Monday last year. Everyone just filmed their own at the clubs. All oh, the right. clubs yeah. did separate uh, ones. Yep. And it just didn't quite sing yeah. from an entertainment perspective. And then this year there was no one at the G. So yeah. it was even like getting people to vote for their favourite and whoever comes last has to do 50 push-ups. Or do it again. Or do it again. Because <laughs> remember the year all the coaches did it and yeah. there were some great costumes, but um, Ross Lyon dressed as a cobbler because one day he said, I'll let the cobblers cobble, but no one got it. No yeah, one knew yeah. what he was doing. It was like, yeah. nah, Ross, back in. <laughs> You're right. So you want to turn this into Australian Idol? Basically, more it's a knockout, right? <laughs> okay, well, it's yes. yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I think I think it would be good to add some element to yes. it. Yeah, good. I'm glad we had this because it's great. It's a great day, and we want to mm. keep it going, of yeah. course. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it might need something else just to. Cool. I'm glad you agree. I like that you're the creative consultant for this. I though. am now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Neil, uh, Neil, and I had a chat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, but what about the footy, mm. Collingwood? I mean, seriously, oh, man. It's just I love games like this because it just highlights 
how little we understand yeah. about football <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. sport generally. Yeah. Yep. But Melbourne are good. Mm. There's no doubt yeah, about the fact yeah. that Melbourne are a very, very, very good team. Yeah. Best that year. club has been in my lifetime. Yep. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, at least since the late 80s. This is mm. the best that football club's been. Um, and Collingwood are a bit rubbish. Yeah. Well, yes. getting better though. Getting better, but yeah. you know. I mean, they're, they sacked their coach. Yeah. No, no, he, but he as left. I, as, yeah, well, as I tweeted yesterday, they didn't play like a team that's just had to sack its coach. No, they didn't. How many coaches have left their job prematurely on the back of two wins? Well, Brad I, Scott won his last, but he announced his what, – what you do if you're a coach. Yeah. Even if you get sacked, if you're, the, if you're a board member, if you're going to sack your coach, you give them one last game because they always win. They win it, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And then the new coach – I think it's a bit of a fallacy, but we tend to think that a yeah. new coach wins. I actually think they run at about 50%, which is pretty good. It's higher the, than the team's given average. the team was clearly yeah. shit yeah. beforehand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just thought if any if any person was going to not win their last game, it would be Bucks. He yeah. has been the Washington general yeah. his whole life. <laughs> yeah. And also, I'm getting really annoyed at everyone going, oh, he never won a flag. He was the assistant coach in 2010. Yeah. It's not like Mick That's Malthouse true. said, no, no, hey, assistants, you're not part of this. Go stand in the corner <laughs> and me and the players celebrate. That's true. Also, he's not done. That's right. He's coaching Carlton next year. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? I just feel like it's a weird way for them to announce it by doing it on this podcast. Via <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but why would you get the creative consultant to the big freeze uh, to announce the very <laughs> uncon- Carlton are very unconventional these days. They yeah. are. No, see, see, when I bought my, my uh, MM, MND f- f- beanie, I reached inside and there was a golden ticket and I got uh, to run the AFL for a day. Okay, this is well what done. I've decided. Well played. There you go. Did, do you think, though, that that result was always on the cards? Not just because of the Bucks factor, but because of the Melbourne factor, like there's a great saying that they use in England a lot, especially with um, with football there. Yeah. Uh, and you use it especially when a team's just played a huge Champions League game midweek and then, you know, they've gone to play Barcelona or something and then they've come back and they have to go to Stoke or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And they have this great phrase, which is after the Lord Mayor's show. Oh, uh, which, I've not heard that. Which captures... Um, this idea of after this enormous thing, yep. you go and play this crap, and often that's when you put in a, a shocker. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, last time yeah. I went to Celtic Park, I couldn't get a ticket to the Champions League game during the week where we beat Barcelona yeah, 2-1. Right. Yeah. So I went to us playing St. Johnson to yes. a half-empty stadium. We drew 1-1. Yeah, after the Lord <laughs> Mayor's show, right? Yeah. And yeah. I felt like there and was Chelsea a lot Chelsea of- Chelsea did that this year. They, they drew with St. Johnson. Well done. Uh, they, they, <laughs> no, they got beaten by Leicester right after they- yeah. uh, Oh yeah, you beat won Leicester the ch- in the FA Cup final. No, no, they won the ch- they won the Champions League semi final. I think it was okay, and they got beaten by Leicester in, the, in a Premier League game. There yeah, we go. Right. Yeah. But um, so this after the Lord Mayor show idea, I think is a really good one, and I reckon that's what happened. To, like I just felt that there was always that risk with Melbourne because they've mm. just come off two massive games against yeah, the, the Bulldogs and then um, Brisbane Friday yeah. night. Yeah, sort of the acid test of how good is this team really, and they've done that. And mm. then they exhale. I know it's Queen's birthday and all that, but it's yeah, not yeah. really Queen's birthday because it's not at the G and it's like, yeah. it's just a different thing. It just felt after the Lord Mayor's show to me. Yeah. Did you tip uh, Collingwood? I don't actually do tipping. Oh, don't you? No. Do you want to join our one? <laughs> now? Yeah, I'm sure. starting a long way back. <laughs> you <laughs> are that tip smart. I'm, I'm still <laughs> a little bit afraid. <laughs> it's been a topsy-turvy season. Anything's possible. Actually, what, what is the conventional wisdom on tipping now? Do you still not want to win it because that proves you don't know anything I about mean, footing? Is that, the, oh. is, that, is that still the... Because that was the view when I used to. Uh, that do. explains why Mike from Brisbane is winning the "They Came to Play" uh, <laughs> thing, and he's, he messages me quite a lot. Uh, yeah, cool. You know nothing, Mike. <laughs> I got one this week. One, really? and it was uh, Adelaide beating St Kilda. So I was wow. like five points away from a donut. Hang on, let me have a look at the results. Uh, one. I got one. So, so I tipped uh, I tipped Port to beat Geelong. Actually, yeah, we should fly through the games now because uh, right. we're getting towards the end. Oh yeah, we need to. Uh, so. Anyway, Pies, great exit for Nathan Buckley. Good on you all. And Bucks, of course, got that very weird gift from the SCG. Oh, God. of turf. See, if that was a cake that looked like the turf, great. But the grass is going to die by the time he gets home. So what are are his maintenance obligations to this? (laughs) I don't know. And here's the best bit. Have a guess how many games of football Nathan Buckley has ever played at the SCG. Oh, there we go. Uh, I'd be about 20. Oh, no, they always played at Homebush. Yeah, they did too. Uh, well, how many do you reckon? Well, based on that, I'm going to say six. Seven. 
Wow. wow. Seven times ever Nathan Buckley has played at the SCC. Uh, this isn't like a guy who didn't play either. Uh, yeah, like he, he played yeah. a lot. 280 games or something, Bucks. <laughs> was he on the ground when Tony Lockett kicked his 1,300? I don't oh, know. Good question. Then, then it's been. something. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, you were here that, that day game. when someone else it's had a great something via someone else's <laughs> achievement. For Bucks, yeah. that is pretty standard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we um, – Port and Geelong, I missed most of this game because they announced Postacoglu as Celtic's uh, new coach. So you lost your mind. I, so I, like, the, it was on, yeah. but I was just on my phone yeah. texting friends in, in Scotland and Ireland and Australia. Mm. And uh, But, yeah, Liam, so the Cats won. How do you feel? Uh, oh, look, I mean, that's annoying, obviously. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel I, about I, Isaac Smith? Uh, <laughs> he's playing some good footy <laughs> for them. I know some Geelong fans who still hate him. Really? Yeah. That's a very, well, why do they hate him? I mean, because their hatred of Hawthorne is that deep. Yeah, right. Really? And, and I mean, Smith I get that. Is, is part of the emblem. I mean, I think you'll win him over. So if Mason Cox came to Richmond, <laughs> yeah, would you? Surely you'd embrace him. No, I would. Yeah, but yeah, I don't exactly. think it's the same because Mason Cox got us in one game and we won three flags around it. Yeah, that's it's not quite the same. It's not quite. If the same. Toby Green came to the Bulldogs, now that would be that's a different, very thing. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a belting really in the end, and I worry about Port. I, I, I'm not yeah, I sure that Port of Port have got what it takes to beat a good team when it matters. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not on this, but I think Melbourne and Geelong are clearly the two best teams. Geelong and, are in great form, and I think daylight. Whoa, daylight! Um, not much daylight to Brisbane Bulldogs, and then see, no. I and apologies to Danny, mm. and and by the way. This can all change throughout the season. Oh, but, yeah. But right now, as in right now, I have the Bulldogs. Where? Fourth? Clearly fifth? below. Oh, at We're least, making top four? At least fourth. All right. See, I have the top four, to me, are way out ahead of the rest. I'm not and sure. I have there? the my top four from fourth, uh, Geelong, Bulldogs, Melbourne, and then clearly Richmond, number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your honey trap, the honey trapper. <laughs> my my worry about the bulldogs is, I think it's too obvious how you beat them. How do you beat us? You beat them by applying a whole lot of pressure on the handball, and you stop the handball game, and then there's no other Damn option. It. Damn it, he's right. But <laughs> and and, Bevo, fix and, it. and once you do that, their back line gets exposed, and you can score on them, right? So. They have time to fix that, and they might fix that. But that's whereas if you say to me Melbourne or you say to me Geelong, I don't, I don't I know, know how to beat Melbourne. Easy, yeah. you get your coach to resign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine doing that in a grand final. <laughs> it's his last game. Oh, Chris that is Scott a- has been sacked <laughs> in an unbelievable turn of events. Be amazing. Um. All right, let's go on to the. Uh, oh, let's, you got to talk about this, the Hawks. Uh, Hawthorne. Oh, by, by the way, I should say, Danny, are you offended at my analysis or not? No, that's fair. You're very, you're very even and well thought out uh. and stuff. And also, I don't. I'm, I know enough about footy to know I know nothing about footy. Yeah. So right. you know, I look at the game plan and I don't know. You know, if Bevo's honey trapping or if he's, uh, you know, if yeah, yeah. this is as good as we're going to get. Or what they're working on. Yeah. Or what they're working on. I know yeah. enough to know I know nothing. Yeah. Well, I think we're all probably in that camp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, hey, but Swans v Hawks, you've got to be upset here, Lemo. The umpires. Jeez, oh, I'd be annoyed oh. if I was a Hawks fan. Honestly, Razor Ray, just oh when I God. want him to turn his back on us, oh. he was it probably in our best. <laughs> I can he'll get two brown. If he doesn't give himself two brown low votes, he's an idiot. <laughs> so did you see the free kick count, Waleed? No, I didn't. But Ten I- to the Swans, 26 to the Hawks. Yeah, right. It was very nostalgic. But I think I'd be annoyed if I was an umpire, if I was a Hawks fan because they are going to screw you out of that top two pick. That, this, is this is Razor Ray. He doesn't want us to get a top two draft pick. Uh, so he's just handing a game like this to us on a silver platter. But aren't you, aren't you going to trade that top two draft pick for a senior player who's passed their bet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to trade that pick Mason for, Cox. for Mason Cox, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know who we're going to pick. You just could redraft no, John O'Patton. No, what they're going to do is uh, Chris Scott is going to get uh, sacked before the grand final. They're going to uh, bring him in as a player. Yes. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a scenario that is. Um, oh, do, do you think – so obviously the free kick count was lopsided, but were, were they bad? Hawthorne were very good. They were. Hawthorne were really good. Your mate CJ, unstoppable. CJ was awesome. Um, Will Day – if you look at super coach points, he got about 40 super coach points. 
That's he was, bad, isn't it? That's that very good? low. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. It's his first game back, and he just give, brings balance to our back line. Super coach boys don't suit defenders. No, no. And it all and him Will Day moving into defence is all class. Yeah. But it enables everyone else to just play their positions. Everyone can play where they should play. Yeah. When he's back there. Makes a big difference, yeah. And then we brought in John Newcomb, this new John Newcomb, 14 tackles on debut. On debut, which is a record. And uh, this well, this blew my mind. First Jai to play AFL football. No. I would have thought we would have had... Absolutely not. Apparently so. We've had two Jai Olympic medalists <laughs> and we've in had the a, one Olympic game. Limo has three illegitimate Jai children. <laughs> and we, we, we have a Jai actor who's worked with... Bruce Willis, Tom Cruise. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. So what we're discovering is Jai's just not a football name. It's just not a football name, but it is now. <laughs> He's also not a box office sensation name. <laughs> no, no, no. Judging by those sequels. But I, I did receipts. think um, when they called him Newcomb, because obviously I'd never seen him before, I wondered if it was a nickname because he looked like John Newcomb. John Newcomb, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, lots of people <laughs> in my Hawthorne WhatsApp groups were putting photos of him next to Lee Matthews <laughs> right. as a young footballer with the mo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's a bit of a unit, and he uh, he's a tough tackling. He broke the tackle record. Uh, yeah, yeah, broke the tackle record. 14. And he's tough, and I love that he's the player Sydney were whinging about going into the mid-season draft, and we got him, and then he destroyed Sydney in his oh, first that game, is good. Uh, which was great. Uh, that's a good um, that was kind of sweet. Just a question without notice, mm. since you mentioned Jath and so on. Yeah. How many really good defenders in the competition, especially key defenders, have been rookie picks or oh, some a, other a lot, yeah. yeah. It seems like mostly. It seems like if you want a good defender, don't use a high draft pick because <laughs> that's not where they. Yeah, and they seem to be, you know, because you get kids coming through the the draft are all trying to be forwards. Well, you know, the yeah, early picks are always forwards and, and rucks, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is Whereas defenders, yeah, hang back, build up some muscle and some smarts because yeah. you've got to be smarter. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Because yeah. I, I, I don't know, I go through. Um, I'm trying, trying to think th- of a high draft pick who's Weedering's the only one I can think of. And Weedering, yeah. and Weedering's not. I don't think he's in the top echelon of those defenders. Oh, there's man. probably a couple at GWS. Nick Haynes is he? Was yeah. he a top what, what ten pick? Phil, where was Phil Davis? He's probably high. He was. Num- Phil Davis was a high pick. Yeah, he was yeah. number one, wasn't? He? Or was he where number one? I don't and I'm know getting confused. Number one. I think well, he was a top well, three pick though. All those number one, two, three, no, they, they all became irrelevant for a couple of years. So no one knows yeah. who the number one draft picks because <laughs> they all went to the same team. Yeah, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. That's true. Matter. Um, but it is interesting. I know for us, Dylan Grimes was rookie or yeah, something like I'm that. I'm thinking of Dale Morris and yeah. Matty Boyd. They're just all yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, he was number 10, Phil Davis. Yeah, there we go. In the 2008. I was thinking in binary, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, draft, right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Hawks the Hawks were just great. I hope they stop that, though. <laughs> <laughs> we want a high draft pick. Uh, then the Dockers and the Suns. I don't imagine oh, man. this no, look, can game I just point out, a lot of interest. How I'd, did you not tip that one? Because I thought uh, – because I, I the Dogs beat the Dockers on Sunday night and yeah. they lost five. They lost a couple other guys uh, through yeah, injury yeah, and right. I thought they're depleted. Matty Rowell's coming back. Yeah, not only right. did I get this tip wrong, Waleed, I got – I got this double wrong because I actually uh, organised a lunch at a pub just because we could <laughs> yeah. for that. And, and, and all my mates were like, yeah, yeah, well, is there footy on? I went, mate, it's Docker's sons. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> this is going to be Rao's return against a depleted Frio on the ropes. This is going to be a really exciting glimpse into the future. The third quarter was good. Let's yeah. focus on the positives. <laughs> was the score at halftime, 22 to 14? It was a rugby uh, league score. Yes, it was. Yeah, Matty it was, it was absolutely terrible. And Rao had 14 touches. Wasn't a great day out. No, nah, yeah, that's his worst ever. Yeah, is that the first time he hasn't dominated? Yep. <laughs> I think I think it might be, actually. I think it's over for him. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's past his best. The, yeah. the dream is over. He's going to Hawthorne. Uh, so don't say that out loud. God, of course he will. All right, let's bash through these last couple. Uh, the um, oh, Cairns mm. oh, man. produced a belter. Riley Tilthorpe, the number two draft pick. Just back over his head for the winner, if you don't mind. They're calling him Thrillthorpe. <laughs> Thrillthorpe, yeah, great. Where, where does a goal of that style sit in goal of the year? Well, Cody Waitman scored the winner like that against Port yes. Adelaide for the Bulldogs. So, did, so, yeah. so he's just you know just another example it's, of people stealing our it's game. It's just plan. derivative, isn't it? It's, it's derivative, great. <laughs> goal of the year. I think it does require context, but often they award the goal without context. Yes. Because sometimes if you just look at a goal on its own, you go, yeah. hey, it's not bad. But, the kick but over then you the add head. the context, it makes it a lot more. Sure. But the, the kick over the head, that, that's a kid in the schoolyard sort of a oh, goal. Oh, yeah, 100%. 
So, okay, can I can I ask a question about goals and marks of the year? Yeah. Because I had this debate recently with a friend of mine who – remember when Jack Rewald – Jack Rewald, I knew Rewald, this was coming. Yeah, and the, the Rewald Bolton mark, right? Yeah. And so it was like, okay, so what what's mark of the year? And where we ended up settling was mark of the year and goal of the year I think is the same is the decision that you would make when you're eight years old. Oh, so it's good. not right. it's not the grown up decision about yeah, but that's harder and this took more courage and this is a goal after the siren. There's a lot of content. Yeah. It's like, nah. What does the kid who can't wait to get the list of show bags every uh, year? Well, then it's Shy Bolton is yes. mark of the year. So yeah. it's yeah, it's the, do you do you agree with that theory or do you? I I like the theory. I don't agree with it though because I will always give it to Jack Rewalt's mark. Because it's the better mark. Because it's a better mark. And you know what? There's something else about that Jack mark. Yeah, the fact that he just where he ju- totally when, ruins Marby or When child. he jumps, right, he gets this little lift, but he spins at the same yeah. time. Oh, it's incredible. And the spin is perfect. Yes. Like you could – it's very difficult to script – I mean, I've never seen a mark like that before, no. ever. No, I agree. But the Bolton one, I've seen marks like that before. Yes. So Jack's is the better mark. Yeah. But Bolton's is the spec. Bolton's looks better. better. And so you, it's the eight-year-old. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you want to go anyway? Jack gets my vote. But what about say so for goal of the year? Is it the same? Because I've heard Jared Waitley make this argument that the goal after the siren to win from the boundary line, yes, should be goal of the year more often. So like Kennedy or the Nunes Richmond. Nunes. Oh yeah, but Nunes is better because that's oh that oh god. See you the mean goal Carlton against yeah, Frio, Frio last year. year. Oh, or one of the Robbie Gray ones. I or, think. Context plays a much bigger role in goal of the year than it does mark of does the year. Does it really? Oh, a- absolutely, I reckon. Like well, a, goal f- a goal from the boundary after the siren. But did that win? What one goal? No, no, but if, but if that does happen, yeah. let's say. Then that's example. a bigger goal than if it's in the second quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, but it doesn't win it, does it? So I, I just mm. wonder if. Whereas mark of the year. Context isn't as important for me, I don't think. Because it's just spectacle. Yeah, it's no. just, it's like the high dives. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just want to see it. No, I like the eight-year-old theory. It's like, uh, it, it's using your lizard brain. Yes. Rather than your uh, analytical, well-thought-out. It's like being Lemo rather than Waleed. <laughs> <laughs> see? That's why. You could actually watch him form the setup in his head. <laughs> I know the punchline. I've just got to get there. <laughs> All right, we're over an hour. We got to fly oh through this. God, but sorry. Adelaide um, kicked one goal six in that last quarter. They did everything they could to lose it. Wow! And Saints fans, you get the depressometer. And uh, there was a great <laughs> article by Daniel Cherney that in the Age. He's a massive Saints fan. He said the good thing about this is now we cannot pretend that this season is salvageable. The rebuild be- begins uh, now. That begins yes. now, right? Which is pretty cool. This is they're into another rebuild, and then the, finally the draw of the, the draw round, North and GWS. Yeah. What a shocking result for GWS. This is – where are GWS at? Are they anywhere? Uh, aren't they where we thought they'd be? Uh, yeah, no, they were definitely on the slide. They've just got so. – so, they've, they've got a lot of good players in that team. Yeah, but they've lost a lot too. Mm. Mm. And those but, good players are getting old and they haven't had the draft picks coming through. No. So, yeah, they're, they're What was the stat we read recently? The mo- who's got the most top 20 draft picks? Oh, it, it's, it's – GWS. Is it still GWS? Yes. There we go. Yeah, but isn't there a problem? Oh, that was in our Patreon episode, Lima. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why we don't. That's, that's why no one, no one heard. Oh, with the Patreons, we do have a new champion who I said we'd give a massive shout out. We oh haven't, yes, we haven't given him the glory, but last week on our show, we we have had as a as like the top level Patreon uh, level where you pay. It was fifty bucks. We lowered it down to forty. Yeah. Uh, to see if anyone would do it, Mario. Has done it. Mars. 40 bucks. And uh, we said, make us an offer. And he's come up with a segment for the show, oh. which, uh, Lee Moment, we're running out of time, so I'll just put it to you. Yeah. What is one moment in a match you would change, Waleed? How do you mean a moment in a any, match? So change? he said the 90s. He's a Bulldogs fan. Oh, 97 in, in prelim. Libba's, Libba becomes a goal. Yeah, right. Um, uh, well, I'm fresh off it. I, I would change that. Kennedy goal <laughs> <laughs> last week. Yeah, fair enough. That fair was enough. great. Now we uh, are going to give Mario a massive uh, pump up next week. What We're a just great running out of time, though. isn't he? It? Yeah, it's he's a, a genius. This guy. Yeah, idea. I love it. I, I love wish it. I'd had more notice. I would have thought of a better answer. Yeah, sorry, we just got distracted with intellectual chat. Well, sorry, one last thing we want to uh, say to you, uh, do you, while they didn't know this, and Limo, we played this many years ago on the mm. early yes. episodes of They Came to Play, the draw song. That was written yes. by the Barrackville singers, <laughs> who were some footy-loving uh, musos who decided there needs to be a song 
when there's a draw, and I'll, I'll play it for you now, but my yeah. dream is when there's a draw, because there's always like there's no song, it's just awkward on the ground. The players should be forced Sing to go all stand in the <laughs> centre circle, oh, yes. arm in arm, but like you go like kangaroos player, giants yeah. player, kangaroos player, oh, giants yeah. player, right. and they have to sing yes. it. Yes, this is great. All right, Hound, Lames, you've, you've heard it before, but here we go. This is the draw song. Love it. What a fantastic song. Magnificent. It's up on YouTube, folks. The uh, Barrackville Singers. <laughs> that is great. And uh, it's a real earworm. Like, I, I know it off by heart now. Yeah, I've only yeah, listened yeah. to it like f- three or four times. To, when I played footy at Adelaide Uni, we used to have a losing song. That's right. You've told we us that. We lost, yeah. How did that go? We don't play. I won't sing it, but it was, we don't play for admiration. We don't play for victory. We just play for recreation. Loyal uni scum are we. And let's say we played Kilburn. Would say there'd be balls to Kilburn, balls to Kilburn. We won't play you anymore. No, we won't play you anymore. Cause you gave us a fucking great hiding. You gave us a fucking great hiding. You gave us a fucking great hiding. You dirty packer. And then I won't say what we say after that. Caused a lot of confusion in opposition change rooms. Yeah. When you'd be singing that song. How, how frequently do you have to get belted before you say, you know what, we need a song for this? <laughs> it was a very university thing to do. To Actually, yeah, a losing when song. the dogs were terrible at the start of uh, last decade, me and my mate would sing the West Ham song, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, <laughs> on our way to the pub. Because <laughs> that song is about, uh, it's got the, the famous line, fortune's always hiding, I've looked everywhere. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a song a about line. you don't get, you will not achieve anything. Anyway. We should wrap up. We've done over an hour. We'd never like to do that. But, Waleed, you've been awesome. We should get you again. so sorry I took you over an hour. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Waleed. And thank you. Uh, Anything we'll to plug. Everyone, we'll watch the project. Watch, uh, read your articles. <laughs> you on Radio National. And, sure. and, of course, Grand Final Day. Yeah. Richmond will be there again. <laughs> uh, playing either yeah. Melbourne or Geelong. I've already booked a place for the Premiership Party, so yeah, come yeah, along. Great. And he doesn't have social media, but if you want to follow uh, Waleed, it's uh, at Limo23. I'm happy to take all the feedback. Uh, No, Limo, I've seen what they write about him. (laughs) Thank you, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Danny McGinley. Go, dogs. Go, hawks.